0: Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, we have a real treat for you today. My guest today joins us from Jakarta in Indonesia. She's Ara Kasuma, an extraordinary and brilliant social entrepreneur, making a big difference in her community and beyond. And living up to that much quoted phrase, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Aura began her change maker journey at the age of just 10 with the Moose project. More of that in a moment, but it's basically an initiative to improve the farming of cows. She was elected as a young change maker by Ashoka, the global platform for social entrepreneurs, and she achieved this at the age of 11, and since then has founded many organizations, including AHA, a project and scheme to improve the access of study resources for children during the pandemic. Now 24, Ara is a changemaker in every sense of the word, correcting the problems she sees in the world and keeping her eyes open to new ways of making an impact. Ara, welcome to Changemakers, it's Absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Hi, Michael. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I tell you, we've got so much to talk about. Let's start with the cows. Tell us all about that.
1: Yes, that's my favorite part you know cows I've, I've been in love with cows for such a long time. I'm a huge Why? fan of milk as well. <laughs> they are my first love I think <laughs> They are my source of energy and happiness and and I really like to visit you know the farms, the villages with my family to learn about to learn more about it. And, of course, to also play with the
0: cows. So, so let's go back. So this is, this is you as a very young child, sort of, you right. know, because you set this initiative, initiative up at eight. And so I, I suppose you had a childhood fascination with, with the farm and with, with, with cows. And you then went on to come up with some really, really clever ideas about um, the farmers that you were meeting along the way. Tell, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, I realized that there's actually a difference in the way they manage the cows along the journey. Uh, well, the cows are the same; they both produce milks, uh, dungs, and they they moo as well. But what what I saw on the private farm was that they were able to optimize the resources the cows have integratedly, whereas in the villagers where Um, each family typically owned three to five cows. We're managing them individually without any value added processing. So then my family had a conversation and I started to wonder, you know, what if we implement the integrated farming model like the one in the private farm to manage the cows in the village so that it becomes kind of like a, a village incorporation, like a private farm, but the profits and the benefits will not only go to one person, because the owner are all of the farmers they co-own it together
0: and this was the moo project this this such was born a really um influential and important initiative to help to provide a collective approach to right. farming and for um uh, the production of milk i'm just wondering when you were going to all of these sort of experienced farmers that have done things the same way for generations and you're the um the grand old age of eight um what did they make of this sort of like young child that is like a young genius has come up with this idea did they did they accept it easily
1: to be honest no uh, because <laughs> honestly challenging the status quo was the biggest you know challenges that I that I faced when I ran the news project because people look down at me as a as a child, like you're just born yesterday. What are you what are you doing here? Um and also there is a hierarchy in where I live where children are not supposed to kind of like talk freely to the adults, nor you know, sharing their ideas on how a certain things could be could have been done. Mm. And Farming was was seen as a masculine field in in Indonesia. So being a little girl who has a dream to make the cows and those who take care of the cows happy was not easy at all. Uh, but I also learned that you know through throughout the process that communications is not just about the what, uh, but also the how and the who. So when I communicated this idea, it's not only about the idea itself, but how can I communicate this better to the the villagers as well? So uh, I realized that by using the peer communication, uh, it was a a better and smooth way to actually present this idea. Mm. So I first presented this to my family my uncles, my aunts, my dad, my mom. and then they are the one who actually helped me to facilitate this to the farmers at the right.
0: So, so you basically you had a family conference and you you basically <laughs> co-opted them into the project. I mean, it, it's an extraordinary story, and and I think what we will do for listeners is there's a wonderful video that brings all of this to life. And um, do you do you sort of see that actually for an eight year old to have had this sort of effect is is a pretty extraordinary thing because you know if if we were interviewing you in your teens or your 20s 30s 40s whatever you might well say well this is what you would expect but an eight-year-old a a you know you might well um you know have been expected to be doing a lot of things but collectivizing agriculture probably wouldn't be top of top of the list I mean it, it I'm wondering where from within did this sort of change maker zeal come from?
1: It was actually coming from a very simple um, experience that I had when I was a child. Uh, I have a sister who is one year older than me and unconsciously I always compared myself to her like you know uh, when my sister was able to run I could only learn to walk. When my sister could multiply and divide in mathematics I could only you know was about to learn about the numbers so i always compared things to her and i got very upset about myself why could i couldn't i be you know better than than her why am i always one step behind of her and i was actually a, a little bit shy person when i was a child but then again my family really helped me along the process and they shared about you know every one of us has the power within ourselves uh, at that You know, moment in time, no matter how old you are, there is the power within you. And they gave an example of my smile. Uh, I was a smiley girl. I guess I still am right now. And they shared. You are very
0: smiley. You're making me smile.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, yeah, that's actually what my parents showed me before. Like, you know, when you smile, other people is also smiling and smile is contagious. How you can actually impact other people's life and help them brighten it up a little bit in that day just by. You smiling. So it was ha- actually the moment.
0: Happiness, positivity. Right, that, happiness, that,
1: positivity.
0: Because you can... I mean, obviously, listeners can't see what I'm seeing because we've we we're, we're sort of got, got a screen that we can see each other. But, but there is an inner joy, isn't there, to your personality, which is that you are curious about the world and curious about the solutions um, around it. Do you ever face um, confidence issues, though? Do you ever sort of, like, think... Oh, I can't do that. Or 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 is this is is basically the Aura story the one of I can do it?
1: Um, well, there was a story of me feeling like, you know, questioning how can I do it, but not kind of like I I I can't do it, but it's just like, how can I do it? That was kind of like the the way I think about things because I guess the confidence that was being built throughout the time when, when, since I was a kid and I believe that as simple as smiling itself can impact someone, other, someone's life a little bit better. I can do other things as well. It's just a matter of how to.
0: Mm. I mean, I, but I, I will we'll get on to some of those other things in a moment, but I'm thinking back to one of my earlier interviews um, with a, um, a UK entrepreneur and, and political leader in the UK called Lord Billamoria, and He talked about that for him, the biggest um, challenge had always been overcoming no. So when people said to him, no, no, we're not going to back you. No, we're not going to trade with you. No, we're going to. And actually, this kind of like, you know, overcoming the no. And I'm just wondering, in those early days when you were talking to um, farmers that probably might well have been a little bit more doubtful, let's say, um, to what degree... Um, that issue about being told no actually emboldened you to say, I'm going to get to yes.
1: That's a very interesting question. Yeah. I think, well, I've received a lot of no as well. And I, part of me, I think it's kind of like when we imagine a heart into several layers, the outer layer is kind of like a tough one, where we received a lot of no, actually, but the inside layer is the soft one where we have the empathy to understand other people's perspective on why they're actually saying no. Mm -hmm. And by understanding those perspectives, I could understand why they they say so, and then overcome that with, oh, this is my pers- perspective, that is your perspective. Maybe it is not, you know, the time for us to collaborate right now, but let's find another way. So I think the curiosity of always finding solutions and finding another way, even though, yes, as, as a child, it was kind of like a discouraging moment for me to hear the no, like, you know, I was so excited about the idea, but other people thought about it as what what is i what is this idea like they don't really believe in it but curiosity i think i keep going about it
0: but but it sounds like um you've also got another gift here which is that you don't take it personally you know a lot of people when they're told no they'll think that it will lead to a great level of anxiety or insecurity it feels like you know um if at first you don't succeed try 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 again as the saying as the saying goes let's move on because you know um Fast forward um, three years and you were recognized by uh, the Global Platform for Social Entrepreneurship, Ashoka, as an elected young changemaker. And this episode um, is very much focusing on, on um, Ashoka. We, we've um, interviewed the founder, Bill Drayton, as part of this. And something he talked about was the importance uh, for us all to give ourselves permission to do these things, the actual, that, that quite a lot of the first steps start within. And it, uh, it starts with that kind of almost inner dialogue with how I might start, how I might start to be the change. I wondered how that um, was reflected in your own journey uh, and indeed what it means for you to be um, such a young change changemaker um, uh, as part of that Ashoka Fellowship.
1: I think right now we are actually in a special moment in history to shape a new future and how, as a young people, we can contribute to that as well. Um, For the last 40 years, Ashoka has sourced and selected exceptional social entrepreneurs across the world, uh, but we cannot depend on these 4000 Ashoka Fellows and now close to 100 Ashoka Young Changemakers themselves to solve every poor problem in the society. And as the world becomes increasingly interconnected and the rate of change accelerates, while we need more people to find their creative actions to solve the most pressing problems in society. And right now, even the coronavirus pandemic has shown us how interconnected and interdependent Mm. we are, how a virus that began in a single city could touch all of us in a matter of moments, how a health issue is now impacting the economy, education, environment, social politics in many countries. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you if want a resilient country where problems do not outrun solutions, we need every single person to own their power and agency in making a difference instead of just waiting for a handful of leaders or, or organizations to take actions. And to be an active player, every young person should learn and practice change making. Well,
0: well, you're certainly not waiting. I mean, you know, you, you've gone on um, from your your initial work to create um, a new initiative, the AHA project. T- tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, um, so it was it was actually started when I was at the low point during the self quarantine days, where I felt so powerless. So yes, there was that time when when I also felt you know powerless that the pandemic issue was just too big to be solved mm. because all I saw was those terrifying news on my phone screen until I reflected back on my journey and changed my view from the national and global news on my screen to the surroundings outside my window. And there I saw children playing around on the street with their friends without masks during the school hours, which made me wonder again another questions and wondering moment. Aren't they supposed to stay at home and attend online classes or so? And I talk about this as my family as well and friends. And it led me to into a deeper concern that many still do not have the infrastructure and the access to the internet to, to access the online educational services. Either the data is too expensive, or they do not have the gadgets. Or maybe some were finding the lessons too boring because teachers were not ready to suddenly you know, face the sudden changes. So they were still using the old mindset of method and teaching. So these situations, you know, really triggered me um, to start uh, the AHA project uh, where, uh, you know, we commit on improving access to quality education at home through providing creative learning tools, which can be produced locally as well and disseminated through our local champions in rural areas. So we, de- we basically provide the two things in the education, the what mm-hmm. and the how. The what is kind of like what can we, can they learn at home, which is the, the learning modules. And then the how is how can they learn at home, which is through actually empowering the local people to facilitate the learning one another.
0: Mm. And I mean, you know, home education has been um, one of the, I suppose, common global um, experiences around the world in terms of societies having to pivot away from classrooms into whatever they they can do to actually um, teach kids at, at the home. I mean, you... you um, Provided a very interesting take on it, I thought. When um, you talked about your own family experience, I was reading the home education mm-hmm. um, that you had received. And, you know, you use this, this phrase, that I've really resonated uh, as a dad to two daughters. You said that the curriculum is designed by the family. And I, I I thought, well, that is something that a lot of children and parents have been doing outside of the formal teaching uh world is that their experience has been to create their own educational experience and and you know we're all making it up as we go along but i suppose that's also a bit about what the aha project is about in terms of how you keep that process of learning um on on the road
1: yes that's right And uh, especially because today uh, as the world is changing, you know, we, we realize that educators are not only teachers, but also parents and also content creators, publishers, they play a lot of critical roles in equipping the learners with the right skills, agency, and knowledge uh, they need to be able to thrive in this current world. And what I realized was that instead of the static curriculum that we had in place, let's make it contextualized, storytelling-based, with a lot of creative activities as well, and shifting the learning paradigm from just acquiring knowledge to learning how to learn, um, from you know, memorizing a theory into discovering and applying it in real life mm. that. You know, a new paradigm where we appreciate the intangibles, uh, which means you know the empathy, creativity, leadership, novel attitudes, as much as or even over you know the tangibles like the scores or the certificates that we have.
0: I noticed that on uh, on another podcast, changed the narrative. Um, you, you described yourself first of all as an introverted person. Let's come back to that because that's certainly okay. something I'm recognizing on on this <laughs> interview. But but you said your initial thoughts that you know you could um, you could feel in your com- comfort zone in the early days of the pandemic, and 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 you use this phrase, "I can work in my bedroom now." I mean, how, how does that feel? Kind of like sometime later in the experience, and 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 let's let's pick up on this this sort of. Um, are the introvert. Um...
1: Yes. So a lot of people thought that I am an extrovert because I work a lot with people. But actually, I'm more kind of like an introvert. And as an introvert myself, I actually have kind of like the self-assurance as one of my strengths. Uh, that's why I'm also strength when other people say no, but I believe it, it has to be done so. So I will have the perseverance to do so. Talking about introvert again, I think... Yes, as an introvert, you know, the pandemic is, is also such a, a relief for me to not have to go out there and meet a lot of people in a day. I just, you know, stay in my bedroom and then I could I could still meet a lot of people, but I I feel I have my comfort zone uh, and I feel in my own safe mm. space in my safe, room. Safe, secure, yeah. Seven, secure space where I can ideate a lot of things as well. And that's where, you know, uh, a lot of ideas were were born, including the peer-to-peer community in the Young and changemakers, and also the Aha project as well. It was kind of like a balance between the um, the secure feelings uh, in my bedroom, but also there is a, a bored song, a, a bored you know, a, a boring you know, moment in me, like in this my own apartment in my room. What can I do actually? What can I contribute to, to the world? Uh, and that kind of like wandering curiosity moment and broadest, mm. uh, the birth moment for me, com- combined with the, with the uh, secured moment in my room is becoming a lot of ideation and brainstorming sessions.
0: I mean, I, I was reading a Medium um, article where you talked about some of the positives um, to come out of... You know the tragedy of the of the pandemic, but it, it seemed that um, that digital connectivity um, was something that, personally, for you and a lot of the people you know, has been has been a real game changer.
1: Yes, but at the same time, I think growing up with technology has made me realize how important humanity is and connectivity. Um, yes, technology is a tool that we can use to connect one another, but it was because of the human quality within ourselves, because of our empathy, because of our humility, is the it's is the reasons why we can use technology in a positive way.
0: Mm. I mean, just just a quick word, because I think I think listeners will be interested in in terms of you know, you're, you're, you know, we're all going through this in cities and countries around the world. And, you know, I heard it described the other day as it's like, we're all going through the same storm, but we're all in different ships. Um, And, you know, I think people are interested in how um, different cities, different countries are going through that experience. I mean, you're, you're in Jakarta today, living in Indonesia. Um, Just, just a word on, on that, pandemic experience from your perspective?
1: Um I, I think a lot of people, you know, take it differently as well, not only about you know the, the geographical level, but also individual level takes pandemic in differently. I think from my observations in Jakarta itself, we've gone through a lot of phases in the journey where at first we couldn't really believe that, is this really happening? I mean, is this pandemic really happening? And then then we got the first cases, I think it was in in March last year, and suddenly people realized that this thing is real, uh, and they started to worry about it, uh, and people started to bought a lot of hand sanitizers uh, and really protected themselves. Uh, but then along the journey, sometimes people kind of like it's been a year and some of them have been, you know, less careful about it and they, they're they becoming less worried. Um, and it's it's kind of like becoming a new normal that we are here in the pandemic. Um, and this is our reality now it's been a year how can we adapt this fast Mm. and this this actually shows you know how vulnerable we are as a society and how vulnerable the system are that we need to be ready to face a lot of changes every day and if young people are not ready for that how can we even face the the world after the pandemic itself this is kind of like a test for us, the pandemic here. If you're not ready for this, how how can you ready for the world after the pandemic or even the next pandemic in the future?
0: It's interesting because if you were to um, tune into the radio here in the UK today, pretty much everything is about the vaccines and about their their rollouts. But there is another debate as well, which is the responsibility of countries that are really sort of going far ahead to make sure that that the world benefits from this innovation and you know one wonderful breakthroughs but but to make sure that you know this is something where there is some equity and fairness and be, not least because it's in it's in everybody's interest to um to do so i mean if you were were sort of wanting to give a message um to listeners about you know about that about the views that, that you might have. What what would you, what would you share with us? What what would be your um? What would be your message?
1: In Indonesia, we would call it Gotong Royong. So it's a value of co helping and collaboratively working together towards the same visions. I feel like now the world has a common enemy. So pandemic is our common enemy. Where usually when we have a common enemy, we would be able to unite together and um, do something about it and be less uh, think about our ego, but more kind of like a collective actions towards the same vision. So this is actually our moment to foster more collaborations across countries. So in case, you know, for example, if we are doing the productive measures to prevent the transmissions just within our countries, but then not helping and, and, and uh, advocating others to do so. It might also put us and our beloved ones in danger. So it, it is not something that we can solve alone and we have to work together. Um, to fight this common enemy and achieve a better future.
0: Mm. I mean, when I listen to you, you're you're the sort of person that makes me get very excited about the potential of new generations of young leaders and young people with ideas and how they might use some of the advances that the planet has been able to make um, in innovation to deal with so many big problems like climate change and others. But actually there is this... Huge level of positivity and can-do and optimism, and to that degree, a lot of people will say, "Well, look, people at Aura—they are the pathfinders. They are the examples of where things might go in a more positive direction." I wonder, in when you hear things like that, because I'm sure I'm not the first that has said it, but I mean, when you hear things like that and you look around you, um, you know, you're now in your twenties, but. You know, I'm thinking about the next generation of eight-year-old ARAs that are looking around the cities and communities, the farms, the places, in terms of how easy it is for them to affect change. Do you, do you think do you think things are getting better and and easier, or 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 is it as a lot of people will say, actually, the world is getting more difficult, not 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 more easy to to make positive change happen.
1: Um there there is the the side where you know right now the world is becoming more complex yes uh, that is a fact indeed but there's also another way to look at it where it is actually easier to create a change with a lot of opportunities out there with technology with the increased level of awareness on the issues that are happening around us and you know um i think as as a young people, um, myself, I, I I'm more you know kind of like positive and optimistic about it. Especially how I also, you know, met a lot of educated young changemakers from other countries as well. We've just welcomed the 43 young changemakers in the global community, uh, in addition to the 53 that we elected in 2018 and 2019, and they're from India, Brazil, Indonesia, U.S., Bangladesh, working on so many different issues like agriculture, human rights, uh, gender equality, education, and that it, I think that was kind of like a moment for me where I realized that this is possible. Yes, it, it is still not a norm for a young kids in our country to create a change, but it was not impossible either. Mm. So this is a possibility for us that we should tap into, And young people are powerful. They are ready to go beyond themselves, to go beyond their initiatives to help others to make a difference.
0: And I suppose when you look at the motivations for that, in terms of what comes from within, um, for some people that's driven by anger and frustration, and that can lead to outcomes. Um, Some of them can be very negative and some of them can be positive. There is also those, and I think, you know, having listened to you and, and seeing how you come across is that there is a serenity, a kindness, there's a gentleness to um what you talk about. There is a kind of innate sort of positivity that 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 kind of is more more about persuasion, I suppose. Um, the world of, of kindness is something that I think a lot of people are thinking about how they hope the world might change after the pandemic, when we talk about things like the reset or the rethink. I just wonder if a final thought from you in terms of people that are thinking this way or the people that are thinking, you know what, I've just listened to a really wonderful, you know, sort of young change maker there. Um, what, what's your message to them about that style, that that kind of worldview, if you will, um, and, and, and its future? Yes, um, I think the
1: future is, on our hands right now. And it depends on how we are acting towards it together. Uh, Right now, the world is divided between people who can play in the new game, who are ready to face the new world after the pandemic, and those who are, you know, who cannot and who are not ready for it. And those who can play are the ones who, who are aware of the, current realities, and have the ability to adapt and contribute in the world of change. The gap is getting wider, to be honest. Um, I read an article about how it, uh, it is going to create a K-shape of, of gap uh, in the future, but we want to ensure that everyone can take a role to help each other, regardless of the age and where we live, to close these gaps. And for adults, this might include, you know, creating the space for young people to lead, but for young people, it could mean, you know, discovering how you and your friends can support your community, whether it is speaking up about injustice, helping neighbors get food supplies, or organizing a group of friends to deter younger students online and you know, together with the Ashokaian change makers and also the, the strategic partners in the ecosystem of youth, like teachers, unions, media, publishers, governments, everyone, we can call it the movement to reach as many young people as possible. And there's always an opportunity to step up, whether in time of crisis or every day.
0: Well, all I can say is Watch Out World. Thank you to my guest, Ara Kasima. I mean, what a changemaker. I hope you've enjoyed it uh, as much as I have, Ara.
1: It's a pleasure for me. Thank you, Michael. I love your questions.
0: Listen, that's been absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. And um, I think it's been an absolute showcase of positivity, optimism, and inspiring ideas about how you can make a difference. Do you join me next time on Changemakers?